0: This morning, we're privileged to have Michael Winger here with us this morning. So would you please welcome him as he comes to give God's word? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's none like you. None like you. All glory, honor, and praise to you today. You're the only one worthy of it. So I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way here today. You'd move in our hearts. You'd help us to see as you see so we can be free. Free. Cut chains today, Holy Spirit, we ask. Cut chains. Be powerful. May your love set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. There's times as a a speaker that you say, well, I'll speak about this. or I'll speak about this. You just kind of, yeah, this sounds about right. This isn't one of those messages today. This is very personal for me. Because this is the road I'm walking. Back in junior high, if anybody loves junior high or loved junior high, come speak to me. We got some issues we need to work through, okay? Um, Back in junior high, I can remember this thing, I didn't know at the time, because it, it was not really talked about a whole lot, this thing of fear and anxiety, okay? Fear and anxiety. I remember in junior high, I remember going through some weird things, which you do anyway, so you think I'm just weird, okay? And I can remember some, some, some sweats, I, and I remember some heart palpitations, I, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I was like, ah, whatever. You who maybe suffer with anxiety, maybe you know some of those symptoms. And I can remember they kind of died off in high school, didn't really have much issue at all. But I remember in college, stress has a way of kind of stoking the fire a little bit. And I can remember um, in college um, being so lost in thought. I... I, (laughs) If you have OCD and anxiety, those aren't two good things. OK? That's not like like chocolate, you know hot chocolate and marshmallows. That's not good, OK? If you can picture someone that's got OCD with anxiety, picture a railroad track where you can't turn right or left, and you get stuck going straight, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's a little bit of what it feels like to wrestle with this, OK? And so I remember sometimes even in college dreading going to class because I was like, man, I, I just don't know if I can deal with it today. And then as I, as I got out uh, of college, uh, started pastoring Calvary Bible Church out east of town. Um, I can remember all of a sudden I, I began to have trouble falling asleep. And then, of course, what happens is you think about you're not getting sleep. So guess what happens? You don't get sleep. It's kind of that weird deal. Okay, and and so all of a sudden you start to worry about that, get anxiety about that. And and, and then in 2005 out in Los Angeles, and I lived in Los Angeles, I got in a traffic accident, messed up my back, and um, well, there's one more thing to think about, to worry about. And some of you may think, Well, I I don't struggle with stuff like that. But how many know that fear and anxiety take different forms? Some of you fear relationship. What about that person that you have wrongly assumed they think something about you that they really don't? Some of you, it's about finances. Never have enough. Worry about how am I going to pay my bills. Worry about retirement. For some of you, it's marriage. For some of you, it's a child. It takes all different forms, but it all has the same ending. It's believing a lie. It's believing a lie. And I want you to know today that even this past week, guess who got attacked a little bit with fear and anxiety? Okay. Yesterday we had a free laundry day um, and uh, Wednesday I got attacked, Saturday I got attacked, yesterday and I was at the free laundry day back getting turned into a knot. Guess what? I had to reach out and say, man, I feel weak and thank the Lord I have my wife prayed for me, another brother who prayed for me because how many know we're not meant to fight this battle alone? Fear and anxiety will eat us for lunch unless we change our perspective on how we see all of this, all of this, the change of perspective. There's a battle going on for our minds. I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 54. It'll be on the screen. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 5 a change of perspective. We're going to see how God wants us to perceive what we see in this world and not be deceived. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says this, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame, and do not be, feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. So here we have God talking to Israel, and he's comparing her, kind of using metaphorical language, comparing her to a barren woman. Okay? Barren has no kids. We get that, right? Okay. He says something very strange when he says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Seems a little strange. Shout for joy because I can't have kids? Where is he going with this? Verse 2. Or the, the, the second part of verse 1, I should say. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. So he says, you who have no kids... Rejoice again. I already said it, but do it again. And not only are you, can't have kids in this time, but your kids that you're going to have, that you presently don't have, are going to outnumber one who's married. And here's this barren, desolate woman with no husband other than the Lord. Am I missing something here? This perspective of This barren woman who says, I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because of the promise of the one who said, your kids are going to outnumber the one who has a husband. Whenever we are in circumstance, here's what fear and anxiety does. It tends to look at lack, right? It tends to look at what you don't have. Circumstance tends to look really big really intimidating. And as we stand there, what we tend to do as human beings, we tend to look at our circumstance and say, I'm going to choose to believe what I can see versus what I know to be true from the one who gives me the promises. Like this. If you're that barren woman, there's no way you can rejoice unless you see The promise which trumps circumstance. See, we think, okay, I see this, I don't have kids, therefore this really can't be true. We tend to elevate this circumstance. I can't, I lack. And all of a sudden, that fear and anxiety begins to come in rather than the truth which sets us free. The truth sets us free. So what do we do? How do we get his perspective? How do we see this? How do we rise above circumstance, to let truth of who he said he is and what he does, how do we do it to trump our circumstance and what we see that may not line up? We do this, we celebrate. We celebrate. He said, you don't have any, any, any kids yet, but I want you to celebrate. And as we do that, all of a sudden we begin to gain that perspective. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. How did Israel go out as, as an army? Who did they put in front? Really big guys? They put their worship team out front. They put their ones, the, the people who praised out front. And what were they saying? They were saying the truths of who God is and what he's promised. The truth. And all of a sudden, here's this little army that shouldn't have a chance to win that all of a sudden knows they will win because they know the one who's promised it. Their praise allows them to trump what they see. Leaves no room for that fear and anxiety because the truth literally helps them to see a different perspective. There was a, uh, I have a friend down in Texas and he has a, he has a buddy who just started a church. Now, if you've ever started a church, you know it's not easy. Okay? These are not easy things to do. And you're, you're glad anybody shows up on any given Sunday. And so he had about 20 in his church. This was two weeks ago. He has about 20 in his church. And they had uh, bad weather. So he's like, oh, I hope somebody comes. Well, they had six come. Okay? And of the six, like a few were visitors. So what the regular people just didn't show. Okay? Pretty discouraging. But he's there. He prepared the sermon. He's like, okay, we'll we'll get this done. And they sing some songs. He gets ready to get up and speak. And the Holy Spirit very clearly tells him sit down. I got to speak. Everybody's expecting me to speak. Sit down. Keep praising. So here, here goes the servant time, praising, worshiping. All of a sudden they get done with their time and he hasn't spoken at all. And so they just kind of end the service. And he goes up and he talks to those six because there are not that many. He goes and talks to those six. They came in with all kinds of physical disabilities, mental and emotional problems. Guess what happened after that time of praise and worship with not a word spoken? Every single one of them, all six of them said, we've been healed. It didn't matter that you didn't speak, Pastor. We've been healed. All they did is say, we're going to do, we're going to see from a different perspective. We're not going to trust what these see. We're going to trust what we know to be true, who we know to be true. And we're going to sing praise. What praise does is allows us to inherit that joy that can be ours if we just simply obey him in the midst of something that seems to be anything but breakthrough. Face it. Face it head on and praise him. And watch what he does. Watch how he heals. Watch how he sets free. It's going to go against everything you're thinking. Because when you're barren and you can't have kids, what's the last thing you think about doing? Given praise, but I know my God, and I know who he said he is. And I know what he said he's going to do, and I know he's going to do it in my life. It sets us free. Fear and anxiety has no place in that. It's kind of hard to be fearful when you know the truth is proclaimed out of your mouth. What keeps us, what keeps us from following God? Verse 2, look at verse 2, Isaiah 54. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your pegs. So what God is telling the, the barren woman who has no kids and no earthly husband, I want you to build a bigger house. do not have any kids, has no husband, build a bigger house. Basically, act like you believe that what I've promised is going to be true. Begin to prepare for the breakthrough. If she was left to her circumstance and say, well, I know God said this, but look, I haven't. So God, what, what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait until I get, at least get married then we can build a little bit bigger house. Or wait till I conceive a child, then then yeah, we'll, we'll build that bigger house. But when you walk by faith and not by sight, and your eyes are fixed on the truth, all of a sudden it makes sense. I'm gonna prepare because I know what's coming. Fear hates that. Fear hates that. Fear says, I'm going to wait until God does something, then I'm going to act. When God says, no, act and watch what I give you. Watch what I give you. You can almost sense the freedom in that, right? I'll just do what he says and take all the guesswork out of this and be free. And be free. So why don't we? You ever notice you don't really choose fear a lot of times? It just kind of finds you. Anxiety, you don't just, I'm going to wake up and be anxious today. It just kind of tends to find you. And when we get promises like this barren woman got to, to, to build a bigger house, build a bigger tent, all of a sudden we have a choice. We have a choice. Am I going to walk in fear because I'm looking here or am I going to walk in faith and just charge ahead? Why don't we? Why It sounds simple. Why don't we? Because here's a big hurdle in a town like this. In all small town USA, guess who we tend to fear more than almost anything? Other people. Right? What are they going to think? I've got no kids. I've got no husband. And I call Bryce Sampson to build a bigger house. What will they think? What if I go for it and it doesn't work out? You can kind of hear, right? You can kind of hear fear beginning to creep into that. And all of a sudden, I find myself bound by the very thing that if I would act in obedience, I would find the very freedom I longed for. Think about Gideon. Had thousands of soldiers. What did God do? Too many. Too many. Too many soldiers, Gideon. You're going to go from thousands to 300 That's a pretty bad battle plan, okay? That's like going on a football field with like three guys instead of 11. Not a good idea if you want to win. But where was Gideon's freedom from fear and anxiety found? In the very obedience to take the plunge, build the bigger tent, and go. Fear can't stand truth because the truth sets us free. We begin to see with the perspective that God's called us to see with. Go down to verse 14. 14 and 15, it says this In righteousness you will be established. You'll be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall. Because of you. Notice what it doesn't say here. Notice the perspective. It doesn't say, because oppression isn't around, that means I don't have to fear. So as long as nothing's tough's happening, hey, I don't have to fear. What it says is this: Because I don't choose fear, oppression will be far from me. See, fear is the access point. Fear is the access point of the enemy. Fear is the vehicle that he gets on and rides in and begins to speak words, begins to manipulate our our thoughts, begins to come in, and, and begins to get us to be anxious and fearful. All because we've chosen fear when we've come against difficult things. Okay? What he says is don't fear and watch what happens when these difficult things come. All of a sudden, oppression those difficult things, it says it has no place to latch on anymore when I don't fear. Will I face difficult things? Absolutely. But when I say I'm not going to fear this because I'm looking at the truth, all of a sudden oppression and fear has no place to hang its head. No place. And we become very, very free in that. Matthew 28, 18 is a very important verse for us as we think about this and this change in perspective and, and viewing things through the eyes of God. Jesus said this right before he left this earth. He said this in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So South Adams, AC math. Okay, here we go. If Jesus has 100% of all authority how much does Satan have? Yeah. I was hoping we'd get that right. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said, is mine. That means Satan has power, yes, but guess what he has none of? Authority. Unless who gives it to him? Unless we give it to him. Because all authority in heaven and earth, if we're Christian, lives in us, right? Jesus lives in us. So we have all authority in heaven and on earth. But when we choose to believe the lie that is fear, that is anxiety, the hypotheticals of what might be and could be, all of a sudden, guess who we lend our power to? The evil one. Lend our authority to the evil one. Well, we are called to say, when fear comes, when the oppression comes, we can say with all authority, submit ourselves to God and say, in Jesus' name, no fear. I'm giving you no place to land. How many know if, if a plane has no place to land, no landing strip, it will eventually run out of gas, right? Let it circle and give it no place to land. Why? Because I'm not going to bite the bait of the lie that Satan's trying to get me to fear the what might be's and could be's. And I'm gonna operate in the truth of what he said and what I know to be true. Authority, fear, get away from me. In Jesus' name. I was talking to a guy who had severe anxiety issues. I was in the house with him. And I was sitting on, the, on, a, on one side of the couch. He was sitting on the other. We're, we're talking. And all of a sudden, fear hits him. And he goes like this. <laughs> How many know that's an anxiety attack? Okay. So I go over. I go sit beside him. Put my hand on I pray for him in Jesus' name. We pray, peace, God. Peace in Jesus' name. Fear go far from him. Thank you, Jesus. Kind of comes down. So I go back over. I sit back down. Three minutes later, another panic attack. So I go. I, put, I no more than put my hand on him and said, Jesus. And all of a sudden he goes, it's a lie. Wasn't expecting that. It's, what do you, I said, what do you mean it's a lie? He said, anxiety is a lie. I said, you're 90% ahead of most of us when you said that. Here's a guy bound by what might be and could be, but he knows the truth of who Jesus is. And in that moment, it was revealed, this is a lie. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to be bound by it. If you could, turn your Bibles to Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I want to end with this. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. This is kind of the passage a lot of us think about. Uh, whenever we think about anxiety, we think about fear. We think about this. So in, in, in four six it says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we, for those of us that have maybe dealt with anxiety, we think, well, that seems like a pipe dream. Don't be anxious about anything. We have to be anxious in this life, right? To some extent. But what Jesus, through the Apostle Paul said, it's possible to live free from the clutches of anxiety and fear. And how do we know that? 1 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So fear and the spirit of fear is not from God. He says, you don't have to go down this route if you don't want to. But here's the deal. Will we be tempted by it? Yes. Don't be surprised when you are tempted with anxiety and fear. We all are at some point in our lives, maybe repeatedly. But here's the good news. We don't have to give in. We don't have to give in. He's given us power to say no to this. How do I know that? Because he would never command us to do something we couldn't do. Would you tell your eight-year-old to go down and buy you a car off Mosher Motor Lot? You wouldn't do that unless you gave him the money to go do it, right? The ability to go and buy that car. God would never ask us to be free from something that he said we never could be free from. That's the truth, and that's good news. Good, good news for us on this side of it. But this isn't just a, a mental gymnastics. This isn't just, I've, I've got to try harder to, to beat anxiety. No, this is a change of perspective. As I sat in my car yesterday at the free laundry day with my back going crazy, guess what my prayer had to be? God, change my perspective. I don't want to think the way I used to think, and the way I'm tempted to think now. I want to be free. And it took me a while to get out of that car. I sat there and I thought, okay, Jesus. But yet at the same time, as he changed my perspective, he just said, it's okay, I'm here. I'm here for you, Michael. I've come to set you free from you. How many know Jesus has come to set us free from us, our thoughts, our way of doing things? I think we think sometimes our way of doing things is is, is somehow the the right way to go. But in the end, the Bible says it leads to death. But there's a way that leads to life that if we just say, okay, Jesus, I need to see differently. I need to see differently in this life. I believe he'll answer that, and he'll do it every time. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. What do we long for? If you could put Philippians 4, 7 as we finish. What what do we long for? Peace, right? We long for peace. In this struggle with fear, we long for peace. Peace. And the Bible says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I I love the picture of that. It's like this military picture of, of peace guarding your heart and your mind. But here's the great thing about peace I don't have to try to attain it, I don't have to try to try harder, mind over matter. Why? Because in this world, the world says peace is always the absence of something, right? Peace is the absence of struggle. Peace is the absence of uh, of trial. But in the kingdom, peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Right? Amen. I I love a, a Bill Johnson quote. He says this. He says, peace in the world is always the absence of noise, war, or conflict. But in the kingdom, you can be in the middle of all of these and have peace because peace is a person. Peace is a person. The truth is peace never leaves me. I don't have to go far to find it because it's already in me. It's a person. It's the Holy Spirit who lives in me. The comforter, the one who reminds us of the truth, which will set us free. I walked into a hospital room and there were these two daughters they were uh, adults one was in uh, close to my age in school and their mother was in the hospital bed and it wasn't looking good and so as I walked in it was kind of a tense situation I, I could tell when I walked in I could tell one of the daughters was just extremely agitated Extremely anxious. And so as I as I walked in, I, I went over to her and I said, Hey, I, how are you holding up? Oh, not good. Not good. She's kind of began to break down. I said, Are you feeling a little anxious? She said, Yeah. I said, How about we pray? How about we pray? And Philippians 4, 6 was going through my mind, do not be anxious about anything. I believe God was saying, Hey, I want to take that from you right now. I want you to take, I want you to take your head and just and point it toward me where there's no fear because you're looking in the eyes of the one who gave all those promises for life and peace. And so as I pray, begin to pray, thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are. I thank you, Jesus, you haven't given her a spirit of fear. So I pray, fear, go now in Jesus' name. Again, the authority we have. Fear, go now in Jesus' name. Go far from her. Anxiety, go far from her. And now, Holy Spirit, bring her. Bring her to a place of peace in you. And we got done praying, and she goes, did you feel that? I said, yeah, it left. She goes, yeah. And I looked in her eyes and all of a sudden I see life. He came to set us free. He knew we were going to bind ourselves. And with fear and anxiety, the lies many times, I'm going to suffer with this the rest of my life and I'm never going to overcome this, ever. I can't promise you if it's a long or short journey, but I can't promise you one thing. At the end of that journey, whether it's long or short, can promise his desire for you is freedom 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 he came to set captives free if you have fear and anxiety today your tendency is probably going to be I don't want to tell anybody about it I want to isolate because that's what fear does right it isolates and it can affect more and more and more We're going to need people to overcome this. When I'm sitting in that car thinking, how am I going to get out? Guess what? I call my wife and she prays. I had another brother in the laundromat. Hey, pray for me. He put his hand on and prayed for me. Guess what? All of a sudden, that attack, all of a sudden, back muscles begin to loosen. Why? Because that's just who he is. He loves us. And he wants us to be free from this lie that we've got to live in fear. For the rest of our lives, God's given us great people who do counseling, great great doctors who love Jesus. He's given us a body of Christ to lay hands on one another, to come alongside. But we've got to be open. And we've got to be vulnerable. Here I am. How many years beyond this now? Junior high. When here I am facing this oppression and in the midst of it, I can say no. In Jesus' name, I'm going to believe the truth that he set me free. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be worried. I'm going to see the truth. Today as we end, there are chains that are binding some of us in here today. You've lived your life in fear and anxiety for a long time, but you want to be free. Today's kind of like a chain cutting ceremony, or it can be. So you can be free from this thing that, that tends to tug, tends to bind, tends to, to wear us down. And you can say, I want to be free. I want to be free so I can actually choose to live in freedom. So if, if that's you today, I don't want any of us to leave here still bound by that. I want us to be like that, that, that lady in that hospital room that experienced that freedom of anxiety and fear finally being lifted off by the power of Jesus Christ. So I'll be here till two, I don't care. Whatever we gotta do, don't leave today without getting prayer for that freedom that you need. Don't leave today, don't leave today. If you don't want me to pray for you, you have good people around you, have them pray for you to be set free. Just take them up on on, on not being (laughs) drowned out by this, but being free by knowing the truth and having that perspective. So Mike's gonna finish with this song. During this song, if you wanna come forward, please come forward. Um, If not, at the end of the song, you'll be dismissed. Even when you're, you're dismissed, please, if you still wanna come forward, please still come forward and receive prayer.